Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Thread. Uh, we have some interesting stories to talk about. One of them, not so good. You heard really? about that Pesach, Pesach program that went belly up. So we're going to get to that in this episode of The Daily Thread. Okay, so this Pesach program is was supposed to take place in New Jersey, and they sent a letter out to their to the people who are signing for the program saying, Dear guests, it's with great pain that we are forced to notify you of this unfortunate and unprecedented situation when the program was moving along nicely while our dedicated team was working tirelessly to make it a true success. We were we were hit with a huge financial scam. Mm. We are not sure at this point if we can continue. We're trying to find an alternative option. Should we be successful at it, we will notify you immediately. One of our team members will personally reach out to you within 24 hours. Any payments that were made this morning will not be processed unless we... Unless we reach a resolution, we hope to be able to share good news very soon. The event team. So this is this is what we call a Pesach nightmare. So right. a lot of rumors flying, a lot of rumors flying around, and this program was I would I would call it pretty star studded. Some of the names on the on the flyer, and uh, entertainment wise, that were supposed to be there mm-hmm. was uh, Rabbi Ben Sion Schaefer, Rabbi Menachem Nissel, um, Uri Davidi, Yehuda Green. Ellie Marcus, Yumi Lowy, Doctor Rabbi Doctor Aaron Glatt. So they're they're supposed to have like a nice star-studded lineup in the Claridge Hotel, and rumors, you know, rumors started flying. Like what happened? Mm-hmm. So rumors started flying about like what happened. So um, there's a message over here that I see that's been posted around, and it says it's a message going around from the operator, right? And it says like this. You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. It says like this. I just want to give you the real story. So just in case you believe you did the right thing by smearing me, you'll be able to know just how bad it was. So this is a potential um, explanation. Did, did you, do you know what I'm about to read? Did you Have you heard this no, yet? No, I haven't seen that. No, I'm hearing about it for uh, the first uh. time. We did have a very difficult. We did have it very difficult at the beginning, since large families that did come to us in the past were not too happy with our new location. This did cause us to be late with the payment schedule, but we were able to renegotiate the contract based on the early slow rates, and we were doing fine until this week when the payments were not getting to them. The hotel accused us of playing games and sending fake confirmation emails about wires that we actually did send out. My accountant was saying they had asked to switch to a different account as per the copy I sent you earlier, and this was going back and forth. Today, when we were ready to start cleaning the kitchen, the hotel told us we were playing games, and although we said we sent them the wires, they didn't receive it. Mm -hmm. I showed them the email with the request to change the bank to PNC, and that's when it all became clear. If you look closely, you'll see an extra R after Claridge.com. This proved to be that the hotel wasn't our... This... this proved to the hotel that it wasn't our fault but they were too caught up in the fact that we got a good deal and they didn't get the money as promised ultimately it turned out to be a wire a wire fraud scam mm-hmm. at this point they were looking at us as to say you guys got sta- you guys got scammed and you'll be able to pull it off and you'll never be able to pull it off and pay us again so they opened to the ho- they opened the hotel to the public i begged and cried and told them that we will take the loss and pay again but they fell it fell on deaf ears we still got a new confirmation every few minutes uh, that we have to turn down and tell them we are not able to go forward. Mm-hmm. So they're um, so they're so they're closed. They're not opening apparently, right? It it, it does not seem they're opening. The the end of this letter says 
Uh, now about the vendors, they like to be paid up front on Pesach due to the risk of Pesach programs having to shut down last minute. Yeah. We were not in a rush to pay them before the hotel was completely paid since the orders were in and we had time to do it. After that, after that last hotel payment that was supposed to be sent to the hotel but, got, but went to some crook, now that you probably feel dumb, I want to know that I'll not forgive you in this world or in the next world. So I don't know exactly mm-hmm. the, who the, signed, the backstory. Uh, who signed that letter? Um, Heshi. Just Heshi? I don't... Yeah, I don't know who exactly badmouthed. Supposedly, someone on social media was badmouthing them and saying they weren't happy with their sales. So, four days, five days before Pesach, they decided to shut down. Which, to be honest, it puts people in a in a nearly impossible situation. Where what are you doing for Pesach with your family? You certainly, you know, probably not going to be able to get to another hotel. Um, well, listen, well, as you know. Um, you know, we've been going away for Pesach not every not every year. It's been a lot of years, Baruch Hashem. But I would say um, since uh, before you were born, uh, probably since before Nisan was born. So I would say probably thirty years. Now, uh, yeah, and we've been we've been home, but we've been going. We also experienced a lot of hotels in different places, Florida, um, different parts of Florida, here in New York, upstate, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, during every cycle of, of these. Um, uh, hotel uh, venues that are offered to the public, uh, largely through uh, social media, through the newspapers. Um, th- there's a, a statistical um, situation that happens where someone doesn't open. It's like musical chairs. You ever play musical chairs when you were a kid? And uh, the, yeah, mu- the, the music the music stops and somebody is left standing. And guess what? That person is out. So who, yeah. who has to scamper around more? The people that were going to daven and sing there or lecture there or, or the guests that weren't planning on being home? And it's very, well, it's very I, I don't suspect anybody of anything, but I have to tell you that no. it's, it's, it's five days before Yontif. You know, uh, these things, uh, uh, if, if this in fact did happen the way they say it happened, they would have known about it weeks ago. You know, you can't, I, the, the thing that bothers me is that you, you can't, find out about it when you come to Kasha the Kitchen and find out that the hotel didn't get the money so they're opening up to the public and forgetting the uh, uh, the, the Pesach program. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, I would say, um, is the thing they should do right away is call the police and get a detective on it. Um, I don't know which bank the payments went yeah, through. Well, but the someone bank, has the money. The bank has liability. The bank is liable. Not, one second, not for a wire, not for a wire fraud. Uh, I, I sent a wire. I sent a wire recently when I w- when I was buying a home, and they told me call up the people that you're wiring and confirm every single letter of the email of the routing number. Confirm every single thing so you make sure you're wiring to the right place. That's not the bank's responsibility. They don't have to ensure that. No, they didn't want you to send it accidentally to someplace else. But here, a person actually defrauded them. By okay, so that's not that's not the bank's problem. That's a, that's a crime, and that person needs to be found and, and dealt with accordingly. Uh, but the, the that's bank, not the bank's problem. Uh, no, the bank. Uh, the according to what you told me, what, what I just heard about it for the first time. According to what you said, it's the Claridge Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and you told me that they added an R to the word Claridge. Uh, you the, know, the scammers. The scammers did. The scammers. Okay, they, some liability under- in that, Nafi. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Why would the bank be liable for that? Uh, someone scammed. Someone scammed. They didn't get a message from the bank. What they got what, a message from from some scammer. But the bank, the bank um, facilitated the wire to a wrong name. Can you imagine if I send a, a wire for a hundred thousand dollars to to Tanahi Tanahi uh, uh, Borden with a B? 
I'm going to say, well, it sounded like it, so we let, the, we let the wire go through. It sounded close enough, but it's a different person. I'm, I'm sorry, but how the bank is supposed to go through every single person's wire and say, are you sure this is the correct spelling? <laughs> it is known that if you're going to send a wire for millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, you need to be checking, triple checking, quadruple checking that every single letter is correct. They got scammed. That's not the bank's yeah, problem, but yeah. that's not either the story. You, ever, you, know, you, we're not, you ever try to, to send an email to somebody and you forgot to put the dot before come? Okay, but this isn't email's not going through. But that's this there's there's no that's because it's a uniform way to send an email. There's no uniform way to send a wire. Everyone has different information. And there's only there's only one way to send the wire. That's the correct way. No, (laughs) you have to send it to the correct name. What if Claire? No, there's correct. There's correct for. There's someone had an account with two R's. Obviously, someone set up an account with two R's. If there were four R's, would they would have noticed it? You think? Uh, you know what? I, th- I think the audience <laughs> is going to agree with me on this one again, uh, again. I, I have no problem. I have no problem because they usually to, do. That's not true. That's not true. Maybe they tell you that, but uh, I don't hear that. I hear it differently. But listen, you, you brought up a good point. Who's who's in a more crazy situation? The guests that were supposed to come, the yeah. owners of the program, or the entertainers that either were supposed to get paid or get a free untif. I know the hotels that I know about that I've been doing business with for the last four months in the newspaper, they're they're largely sold out. They stopped advertising yeah. uh, a few weeks ago because they are sold out. Uh, and uh, it's not so easy. It's not COVID where you could, you know, get into a hotel that still has 50 rooms available. They're, the hotels are sold out. You know, Baruch Hashem, we advanced past the, uh, the COVID uh, So what, uh, do these, what do these people do? What do these people do? What does Uri Davidi do for Yontif now? Uh, it's so it's so crazy. I don't know, but Nachi, it's not the first time it happened. It's happened many times. It's happened many times over heard, the years. I haven't heard of a wire fraud scheme five days before Yontif. No. And also, where, can I ask a question? The people who did pay it, from that from that email, right? From that email, it did not sound to me like they intend on returning money to the people that paid three months ago to go there for Pesach. It didn't sound because like that. It sound like the money's gone. Right, the money's gone. Money's gone, and the money's gone. Listen. So someone's. So let's say someone's going with, with. They're taking three, four rooms in a hotel. They're spending thirty-five, forty thousand dollars to go to Pesach. You're not getting Pesach in the hotel, and you don't get the money. Listen, people. You know what that sounds uh, like to me? That sounds to me like a class action lawsuit. Uh, yeah, but that'll take three, three to five years to go wind its way through the courts. So good luck. But, you know, people that had investments in Signature Bank, if you had an account in Signature Bank, the federal government is covering it, even though they're supposed to cover, by law, the FDIC, up to only $250,000. They're covering everything. Even people that uh, you know that had millions of dollars in the bank uh, are covered. But you should know that the people that had stock in Signature Bank lost everything. Their stock is Gone, poof, into the air. Doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. There's no yeah. more Signature Bank. It's not called Signature Bank anymore. What's it called? Some other bank took it over. I don't remember what uh, bank took it over. Something, the family, uh, something, the first, Citizen First Bank, something? I don't know. I don't know. I think they bought it. Anyways, yeah, well, we wish everyone in that in that program, like, listen, that's terrible. It's really unfortunate that that happened. And, um, yeah. you know, for the All owners... Right. What to do with all the food? All the food that was paid for, you know. I mean, it's hard for me they to should, believe. They, that they, the, they should send it. They should sure. send it to the. They should send it to the to the people who signed up. Although it didn't sound like they paid the vendors yet. That's the thing. That's they also pay that's, the that, that's so highly unusual. You know, the vendors. The vendors need to be paid first. You're telling me that. You're telling me that it's Thursday. 
this happened yesterday or Tuesday, let's say. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt. You're telling me that the Shmura Matzah was not there yet? The Shmura Matzah was baked over Hanukkah. So it's Hanukkah they're baking Shmura Matzah. The Matzah's there. The wine is there. You know, nobody was paid. You know, everybody has enough experience where they don't have to uh, to deal with that. But we were we were at a, we were at one Pesach program about, I think, 11, 10, 11 years ago where we came to the first time ever. We came to the table, the first night of Yadav, to the Seder table. And the table was empty. There wasn't even a tablecloth on the table. We had a table number, and it was a wooden table, a blank wooden table. They were just, they just couldn't get it. They not, just couldn't not get it together. They weren't, they weren't prepared. prepared. They had low. Uh, they tried to cut corners on staff, so uh, and on food. And uh, thankfully, it wasn't a three-day yontif, but it was a disaster. I, as a matter of fact, I remember we were there the whole yontif. Abba, it didn't have to be a three-day yontif. It was an eight-day yontif. Yeah, I'm talking about you can. We, we the first day Chalamayda, I was able to come back here to go to a supermarket and buy stuff and bring back there because they didn't have anything mm-hmm. to eat anyway. But it's a you're you're an unusual stuck situation when uh, when that happens. Anyway, since we're talking about food, I wanted to bring something to your attention, but I have to find you love it on talking my about phone. Food. Well, this is a very food centric uh, holiday. We, I established that a while ago, and uh, you don't let me talk about it. So. Um, I mean, I don't let. You can talk about anything you want, as long as you have the story in front of you. Yeah, okay, I have the story in front of me. (laughs) It's right here. Okay, it's right here. It's right here, the story in front of me. Israelis are expected to spend 7.8 billion shekel. That's $2.2 billion. You hear this? On food during Passover week, during Pesach week, Israelis are spending $2.2 billion dollars Listen to this, of which 250,000 tons valued at 1.9 billion shekel or $529 million will go to waste, according to a study by Leket Israel. In Israel, the expenditure on food is relatively high compared to other Western countries. Waste is a significant contributor to the high cost of living through both needless expenditures on food and inflated prices caused by unnecessary demand. People overbuy for for Pesach. Um, I'm talking about people the at panic. home. Uh, we should we should we should. By, by the way, on the uh, on the other subject, we should say that you know we're talking about the the hotels opening and closing. It's like like that's that's Pesach, but that's Pesach for maybe two or three percent of the population. Ninety. Yeah, listen, these people. I'm just the the reason which I'm talking about it is because it's more than okay Pesach. It's just people are getting scammed out of tens of thousands of dollars and. And they're five days before Pesach, sort of just being uh, thrown for, well, sorry, you know, like figure it out. Like, I just don't know what they're going to do. But uh, I don't, I don't, how, how is that money going to waste? Meaning they just buy too much. They buy too much. They buy too much much, uh, rainbow cookies. We didn't get any rainbow cake from anybody. I don't know what happened. Uh, We didn't get, we didn't. We, you know, we uh, they buy too much of everything. They buy too much matzah. I mean, I've had I, I've had matzah that I bought. You know, I threw out after three years because we didn't want to eat it anymore. You know, what do you need? Do you need ten pounds of matzah? Maybe how much? How much matzah do you really eat after the after the storm? Has matzah really gotten that more expensive in the last few years that it's, they charge so much for it, or is it just don't you sort uh, of don't you go shopping? Or don't you, don't you shop? Uh, I didn't four years ago, but. Why is matzah so expensive nowadays? Well, uh, it's what they say, $45 a pound. But it's uh, cr- crazy. You, you can get it for how much? $12 a pound, you said, in Bingo. some places? Where? Bingo. Bingo, you can get it for $12 a pound. Costco, how much? 16 $16 a pound. I don't know what the difference is between that 
and the 45. I did source, I saw a story yesterday where the Satmara Matzah Bakery in, uh, in Borough Park was robbed overnight. And, uh, what? It was robbed. Uh, it was robbed a few weeks ago, actually. February twenty eighth. It was robbed. They caught the guy just uh, this week. He he stole sixty three thousand dollars in cash, and <laughs> and thirty four thousand dollars in checks. Now, I guess they had to wait a few weeks to release the information because most of the checks were probably uh, post dated. So they had to wait for the checks to be good in order to. Uh, in that's order. your that's your that's your assumption. That's my that's my translation. That's my interpretation Abba, of the story. I, I think. I think we should start a matzah bakery. Like that's the business to be in. Yeah. What, what are those mar? Uh, what are those margins know. like? I have no idea. What do you have? What does it cost yeah. to? Yeah. What does it cost to make a pound of matzah that you're charging forty five dollars for? You have flour. You have water. You have the cheapest kind of wrapping. You know, uh, the simplest type of box with a little. So you have labor, yeah, but like you no, I've never. Yeah, you have I've labor. never heard. I've never heard someone getting rich off of being a matzah baker. Um, I wouldn't say that. You don't know any. You don't know any matzo bakers. Uh, I think people do very well in matzo bakeries. Don't forget. Well, the people baking or the people who own the people who own the matzo bakery or the people the, who are the, actually the people. The people who own. You know, it, it's the question yeah. is it, at forty five dollars a pound. What does it cost to produce a pound of matzo? What does it cost? That's what. That's literally what I asked thirty so, seconds ago. Well, let 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 let's say it cost uh, twenty dollars a pound. No, with, no way. With your, with, There's no way. No, I'm talking about with with your rent, with your payroll, with your insurance. Okay, okay. You gotta, you gotta, great margins. You, you got to count that all. You got to you got to tabulate all that. You got to calculate all that. So if a guy comes away with uh, with ten or twenty dollars profit on a pound, I think, and he sells, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand pounds, he's doing okay. Yeah, we're gonna start a matzo bakery. That's a great. There's some great underrated businesses. Like, forget about being a doctor. Forget about being an accountant. Forget about being a lawyer. Start a matzo bakery, kids, because that's where the money is at. You know, <laughs> that's it, all I could say. It, it's not right for us to uh, calculate how other people are doing. We really, really shouldn't do that. I'm not calculating how anyone's doing. I'm just saying the fact that a pound of matzo goes for $45, the margins must be great. And it seems like a very good industry. Any industry that you must, like, you need to buy matzah more than, unfortunately, you need to go to the doctor. People haven't been to the doctor in 10 years. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but they buy matzah every single year. There are, you know, there are some things that genuinely went up in cost, and legitimately the cost is being passed on to the consumer. But there are some things that pretty much stayed the same or went up slightly, and people are exploiting this inflation situation and really making the prices skyrocket and increasing profits. That's one of the things right. that uh, they accuse the oil companies of, you know. Uh, the second that uh, Saudi Arabia says they're going to cut back on oil production, uh, gas goes from four to, from three twenty three a gallon to uh, four fifty a gallon. Even though the the the, fa the cutback that they want to do in oil production is not going to have impact for about eight months or a year, but right away the price goes up, and that's where they make their billions of dollars of profit. Yeah. So what are these um, people? What are these people going to do? That's a that's a good question. What are these people going to do? Where are they going to go for Pesach? A lot of people are going to start cleaning their homes and go home, stay home. I guess that's always an option. I, I, right? I have to imagine. I have to imagine that there's got to be, you know, at least some local programs that are going to benefit, and they're going to get a bunch of, you know, maybe they didn't sell out all rooms, so now they're going to sell out the rest of the rooms. Um, Pesach, okay. Honestly, I'll tell you, Pesach hotels scare me. The the the. Anytime you have 
like hundreds or you have thousands of Jews in uh, uh, one hotel for an eight day period. It just it just scares me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just I like don't know. I don't know what you're scared about. I mean, we've been doing it for most of uh, you know uh, probably twenty five of the last thirty years. Well, definitely twenty of the last thirty. No, years. no, we've, no, we've been home more than that. Uh, when you when you guys were younger, I don't know. I, I don't know what the circumstances were. It, it depended. Depended what else was going on in our lives. Uh, but uh, I think you could. I think we've been away a lot o- over the years. Uh, am I making a mistake about that? No, no, we definitely have been. And um, I'll tell you one bad one bad Pesach hotel experience it could definitely undo 10 good ones. That's like the nature of the beast. You have a bad Pesach experience in a hotel, and and it's brutal. But I'll tell you, a lot of people, right? What are the numbers? You have a lot of people that stop going to hotels. They started to rent houses in Orlando. They're yeah. going to Encore. They're going to this, oh, going to that. that. That's not so simple either. Plenty of people over the last few years showed up at their house. They think they rented in Orlando two or three days before Yontif. And somebody else was living in the house because somebody else rented it for a higher price before them. That's, well, we heard we we've heard it. We've heard of that. No, we have heard of that. I don't think it's a normal occurrence. We've had we have heard of that. We also have heard of uh, the boxes from the from the supermarkets just being plopped off on a front lawn and saying, you know, every man for themselves, take your stuff. So you know what? Honestly, the safest bet when it comes to Pesach is to stay home. Oh, you think so? <laughs> I, know you don't, I know. I know. People don't want to hear it. Um, are you staying? Are stay you, you going to be home this Yontif? Well, I'll be spending. I'll spending half of Yontif. Um, you know, at my in-laws at home. Okay. Sidarim at home. So that's and a, that's, that's not your home. It's at their home. I know, but that is that is a that is a home. Uh, it's not a hotel. It's not a. And I'm nothing against hotels. I'm going to be second days with you guys. But like, I'm just saying, like the safest bet. The safest bet is to definitely. Is definitely stay home. It's certainly very nice to be at home, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot being at home. It's a lot less hassle, no packing, uh, no traveling. You know, I don't. Uh, also, the small things like I remember after going away for many years, we were home. Uh, we started being home. We were home for for Sidarim, and just the just a simple fact of the seder ending, and then you just basically could just three steps later walk into your bed. It, and not have to just you know mingle through the lobby and get caught up in conversation and you know probably before you were born probably I'm remembering back to um, the '80s I think uh, before you and Nissen were born you had four little kids you know Malki and Yochanan and, uh, and Dini and Dovi and we used to have our own table we'd make a seder you guys those guys were maybe eight and six and four and two and you know, they would just fall asleep by the Seder and we had to bring chairs over from the other tables and they would lay down on two chairs. And the hardest part of the whole thing was to get these bodies over your shoulder and lug them back <laughs> to your room. Uh, you know, I can't imagine you carrying, I can't, I can't imagine you carrying any bodies. Well, I guess you don't uh, have a good imagination, I guess, because uh, <laughs> because uh, that's how we got them back to uh, to did their you, rooms. Did you not? Did you not enforce uh, Pesach day naps before the seder? You can't. You can't enforce that. Uh, no one ever listened. Oh no, I beg to differ. You never listened. I beg to you differ. never listened. Maybe you know what? Maybe this year you're going to have a, a, a Arab Pesach nap. I think with your. No, to be with, honest, with your daughter, it's maybe. overhyped. It's overhyped. I'll tell you why. Because as an adult. Right, like as a kid going to sleep at twelve, one o'clock. As an adult going to sleep at 
I go to sleep most nights at midnight, so it, it's not like. Uh, can you take a Can you take a nap in the afternoon? Do you ever take a nap? Do you have you done that? Do you Do you have that on your daily schedule? Maybe you do. I don't know. It's It's certainly not. It's certainly not on my daily schedule. How about you? I think it is on your daily no, schedule. I think you're wrong again. I think it's not on my daily schedule. I think it is. I think you. I think it is. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong again. I don't. I don't nap. It, in most, oh my gosh! It's not true. I this, drink. I drink too much coffee to, to, be able to, is, to be able to fall asleep. You know, coffee. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You're wrong. You're wrong. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why you insist on trying to maneuver me into that kind of corner. Just to you don't. One second. Your, I haven't been your, home. I haven't. I, again, I haven't been home on a regular basis since I got married four years ago. But you're telling me when you come home from work, you don't take a nap. I, you say, are you accusing me of working? You guys, you've been saying for years that I don't work. So I, well, now, since now, you were, whatever. Now, now you have me working, and now you have me napping. So you, you're you you're changing out. You're changing your mind about everything. Wow, you should have been a lawyer. You should have been a lawyer or a politician. I thought you were going to be a lawyer or a politician. Let's. Let's yeah no uh, maybe I'm a both but let's spend the last few minutes of this episode talking about and I guess we'll, we'll we'll visit it next week as well leading up to Pesach but Sidarim, the average seder what time does that end That's the, I always uh, grew up something that Chabad does and to be honest my first year getting married it was a shock for me mm-hmm. when Chabad doesn't do nirtza by the seder right. So we finish after benching and uh, yeah, say a couple of hollow. things. Nishma hala, finish hala. Uh, nishmas maybe lashana babi rishlayim, and uh, and that's it. Zahu, uh, and that's it. You know, Nirza is long. Nirza, Nirza has potential to take another hour and a half. But that's uh, the two biggest questions that from Jews get asked in the course of the year is what time you finish your seder and what time you finish davening on Rosh Hashanah. Why? Why are people yeah. so so curious about that? Nobody asks anybody what time they finish on Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur has a mind that you're fasting a whole day. You don't have to rush home to eat. And if it's over seven twenty-two, if it ends seven twenty-two, over is over. But Rosh Hashanah, you got to know what time did you start. Yeah, I used to have a neighbor in Brooklyn many years ago. It's more than thirty years ago since we've been there. But I used to have a neighbor. He used to dive in, in a big yeshiva, and he used to start on on Rosh Hashanah at seven a.m. And come home at five p.m. You know, and I was <laughs> maybe you just did. and I was brought up in Crown Heights when Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in seven seventy. We started at ten thirty a.m. and when we had a when we had a break and I went to go hear the Rebbe Blow Shofar and we finished most of at two thirty p.m. And then so you talk yeah. about you were shocked you were shocked by Nirza. I was shocked by this guy that goes to shul at seven a.m. comes home at five o'clock. Yeah, but I think um, the Sidarim. If you go, if you show me a hundred Jewish families, I'll show you a hundred completely different Siddharm. Completely different. With different menhagim. There are some families that act out the entire Seder. There are some families that just read it and they eat and and they go on. It it's so it's so interesting. I, I will say one thing. A Seder at home is I would say so much better than a Seder generally in a hotel. Well, it's not so bad if you have a private, quiet room where the kids could run around these days, anyway, as opposed to a no, big, noisy dining I room. I know, but even if, even if your 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 seder is ultimately running on the, you know, on on the kitchen's timing and on the waitstaff's timing, and and um, I don't know, that's well, my personal you know, opinion. It's not if, a fact. If, it's not a fact. If if you're if you're going away for Yontif, if you're going to a hotel, if you're able to go to a hotel, if you want to go to a hotel. 
uh, if someone's treating you uh, or, or something along those lines, some kind of extenuating circumstance, you have to make sure you hook yourself up with people that have experience. Honest people that have to have experience in the business. These guys that go into the program because they think that there's big money to be made, like you're thinking about a matzo bakery. I'm sure there's a lot of hard work in a matzo bakery. I'm sure if you, sure. I'm sure if you investigated it, you would say, you know what, that matzo bakery idea wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> Let's do something else. So, maybe we'll visit a maybe we'll visit a matzo bakery so, on the Daily Thread, and we'll do like a know, live. Uh, someone told me. Uh, someone told me yesterday that. Uh, now, there's a bingo opening up here in the five towns in a few months. Uh, so someone told me yesterday, uh, a business guy on Central Avenue, he said, you know what? I'm renting the store right next to bingo. I'm opening up a kosher pizza store. I said, oh, really? that, that sounds like a good idea. Um, so uh, what's there now? I go, it's a, it's, a, it's a non-kosher pizza store there right now, but I'm going to buy from the guy and I'm going to make a kosher pizza store. I said to him, did you check to see if bingo's going to be making their own pizza? He said, hmm. Yeah, I got. <laughs> I got. I got to check into that. You know, it's yeah, like, it's they, like, like I'll be on a pizza store next door to Costco. You know, <laughs> you know, Costco serves their own pizza for a dollar, a dollar a slice. You can get a whole pie yeah. for eight dollars. You know, yeah. So the guy, this guy, could invest a couple of hundred thousand dollars to open up a kosher pizza store next to Bingo, which sounds like a great idea. But he has to get a. Sh- uh, and even if even if Bingo is not going to be serving their own pizza. If this guy's going to be doing well, what do you think Bingo's going to do six months later? Start making their own pizza. Six months. You mean six weeks. Anyways, that's our episode for today. The moral of the story is do your research and and and, and check stay your home. wiring information. And stay home. <laughs> and, and if you want... Check the spelling of wherever yeah. you're wiring the money to. Exactly. Well, wishing everyone the best. We will Shabbat see you again, Mertz Shem, on Monday. Have an amazing, amazing Shabbos.